Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends. Glad you're here. I've met some people who are new here for the first time. See some faces who have been away for a while, who are back. It's good to have you all here in the house. I'm Jeff, if we haven't met. Um, You know, we're in a series right now called Reimagining Spirituality. It's, It's kind of about revisiting the plot of the journey. You know, kind of being reminded of why it is that we do this. If you've been around over the last few weeks, we've been asking, like, what does get you out of bed on a Sunday morning to come here to engage in this? What is it you're even looking for? What is it you're hoping you'll find? What is the journey about? Because it's easy to kind of lose the plot. And I'm guessing that perhaps if you've been in religious circles for very long, you've even had your exposure to people who seem to have lost the plot. (laughs) I know I have. I've told the story of Patty, a friend of mine, who told me, he doesn't go to church, but his neighbor does. One morning he... His truck wouldn't start, so he asked his neighbor, who was sitting in the driveway in his car, with his car running right beside him, asked him if he could just boost his vehicle, to which the guy said, I really would love to, but I'm going to be late for church. My wife's going to come out here right away. We ha- I'm a f- and my friend was kind of like, okay, so helping other people's not part of the gig, okay? Whatever. I remember years ago coming through the lobby of a church that I was working for, and a guy came out of the auditorium where the service was about to start, and he is wigging out. He sees me. He knows I'm one of the pastoral team. He comes up to me, and he says, Jeff, you need to do something right now. There's a guy in that auditorium who's wearing a hat. And I wasn't picking up what he was putting down. I'm like, "Uh, what does the hat say? Uh, (laughs) And so then he starts quoting a scripture that talks about keeping their head covered in this, er, you know, this banning of head coverings in a service. So he had a very literal reading of the Bible He believed that this was very upsetting to God, that he would be wearing a hat in church, get him pulled out of here. Once I figured out what he was getting at, I'm looking at him, my jaw is hitting the floor, going, you think that would be so disturbing to God? Of all the things... Of all the things someone could do, that is someone that, that is something that someone should be lynched out of a service for. Wow. Okay. Losing the plot. You know what can start out as such a life-altering, exciting spiritual quest, full of curiosity and wonder, open-mindedness, can for some quickly digress into a rigid ritual loaded with certainty and judgmental attitudes toward anyone that doesn't see or believe or act the way one acts. I'm guessing that perhaps in your lifetime you've observed this happening, whether in you or someone you knew, someone you watched from a distance, which is why it can be a really healthy thing to just 
take a step back for a few minutes and just look as objectively as you can at what it is this journey has become for you. What you're doing here and why you're doing it. People throughout the ages have been learned to take steps back. Just go, hang on a second. Can someone just clear this up? Like, what's the point of this again? Guy comes to Jesus one time and he's going, look at you've been talking about a lot of different things. There's a lot of different commandments that you've mentioned or whatever. It's hard to keep track of all the different things you've been talking about. Can, is there one that's more important than the other? Can you just kind of like help me out here? Because my focus is like all this. It was interesting how Jesus responded. He said, look at love God with all your heart, with all your passion and prayer and intelligence. And he said, the second part to that is love others like you love yourself. He, he said, basically, it all kind of gets, if you wrap it all up, it all hangs on these two principles. Some would argue three there. Loving God, loving your neighbor, and loving yourself. So a number of years ago, we were stepping back from church. Um, we were still a team. We were still leading this church, but we had a season where we were just like going, what the heck is this really about? Like we're doing a lot of stuff, but is this the point? Is what we're about the point of it all? And we found such comfort and direction in these words of Jesus. We said, what if it is that simple? What if love is the point? And everything that we were doing, everything that we're, we're inspiring kids and students and adults in this thing, if everything we talked about on a Sunday was leading them to love better, Why, 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 why does it have to be more than that? Why can't we just go endpoint right there? At the time, we, used, we found this metaphor of water. And we just said, take water. Some of you were around in, the, in that season where we just said, look, at water is anything that you've got within yourself, within your resources, to be able to make your world better. Take water. Find what it is you can do and give it away. Love your world. Love those people in your life. If you've been listening throughout this series, loving your world, loving your neighbor, we've been using the pronoun they. Find, figure out who your they is in your life and love, love them. This is what we're challenging people to do. Who, who is your neighbor? People ask Jesus that. Who is my neighbor? He told these stories that just kind of twisted their paradigm because they were thinking, well, my best friend is my neighbor. He would take it way outside the bounds. And he'd say, have you considered this person as your neighbor? And this person who you look down at, these people who you have dehumanized. We start challenging our community. Love your freaking neighbor and stop. That's the point. Remember, and a couple across the street from us went through a nasty divorce. 
it was really bad. They had two sons who were close friends with our boys. So we knew them both pretty well. He took off and she was there and it was a war zone. And for a season there of Kathy, my wife's life, her they was Josie. There were times where I'm just like, shoot me now if Josie has to come over again. Sure enough, knock on the door. I'm like, okay, I'm tapping out here. Kathy's like, you be quiet. Josie, come on in. I remember the different ways that people within our community, I remember watching a guy take his neighbor, sorry, his nephew under his wing. His brother was going through rehab. His brother's wife was working two jobs trying to pay the bills, and here was this kid, just neglected. Guys, that's my day. It was a, a beautiful time when you watch these people who church had become this ritual all of a sudden waking up to their day. I mean, just wrestling through all of a sudden looking around going, oh, wait a second. You mean this person who's been in my life, who's going through this thing, that could be part of my spiritual journey right now is caring for this person. We're like, yes, yes. Who is your they in your world? Find them. Open your eyes to them. They're probably right there. And realize it's just not an inconvenience. It may be as big a part of your spiritual journey as anything else you do. Oh, it was so exciting to watch what people were were waking up to. We began challenging people to shift from this egocentric, self-centered way of living to thinking about their they. As we narrowed and sharpened the focus of the journey, as we kind of sharpened focus around the plot, it was fascinating to watch the different responses. To see people for the first time, I mean, just that person, those people, that group of people in their lives for the first time, they just saw their spiritual meaning in the giving that they were doing and loving. But there was some who this was a very difficult shift for. Um, up to that point in their lives, it just, their life had been predominantly about them. In fact, many of them came into the spiritual journey, came and found friends asking the question, how can you make my life better? Like, can you, is this going to add wealth? Like, will, will this like twist God's arm and he's going to kind of throw me a bone from here on in? Like, you could see the kind of the different orientations people came in with. When we started talking about taking water and giving yourself away, there was like this. I'm thinking about this guy, I'll call him Steve. Steve never grew up in church. In fact, religion kind of it always scared him. He was a single guy. He was in his early 40s, very successful engineer in oil and gas. Some difficult personal circumstances led him into the door of friends, and he was hoping that what the experience would be would be to kind of help him feel like he got his life back and his mojo back and whatever. 
By his own admission, Steve had always said that he did life on his own terms. It was his way or the highway. And whether that was relationships, whether that was at work, with his family, you name it. It was like, if I want to do it, I'll do it. If I don't, I ain't doing it. It's how he kind of has lived his life. So obviously, I mean, just judging what I've said there, his relationships were a little in trouble. In fact, he came in very lonely, not being able to connect all the dots. When he came in, he was asking the question, how can you make my life better? So when we started talking about this taking water thing, he was like, uh, I'm not sure about this. For these kinds of people, and it was like a portion of our community, this other-centered focus was so counterintuitive that, that for some it was a deal breaker. They're like, if that's the plot of this, mm, I think I'm out. I, 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 that's not what I'm looking for. Let me ask you something. How easy is it for you to give up something of your own for the sake of others? Like the, your night off, a day off, some resources. See someone in need and they just need to talk. Like how easy is it for you to all of a sudden take your, what was your plans and reroute to be able to meet the need of someone else? Is this a part of your journey? Yet? Like, have you thought much about how it is that you take water in your world? How you give back? How open have you been to the they assignments that perhaps have been around you in your life? Let me just leave that there with you for a second. What was fascinating is that while there was this one part of our community that were kind of going, I'm not sure about this they orientation, who, you know, they had a very particular way of how they wanted to do life. That was that group. There was this other group who, I mean, they just seemed to clamp onto this idea. For them, their they was so clear in their mind. It was just, of course, when we start talking about this being the plot, they're going, yes, that is it. These people came out of the woodwork, this portion of the crowd. They were the ones standing, oh, oh, when we'd start talking about this stuff, they're like, they couldn't get enough of it. They're like, let's go, let's go. I remember one woman she took her hairstyling, her haircutting skills. She began cutting home or hair of homeless people down at the mustard seed, giving a day of her week, she, or morning of her week. She'd go down there just cutting hair. Oh, it's amazing. Difference she was making in some people's lives. Some began volunteering, different local humanitarian groups, brown bagging, in from the cold. Some began donating blood and platelets and plasma. Some were getting involved in the food bank big brothers, big sisters, the amount of collective energy that just, it went from zero to a hundred overnight. People locating their they, and they're going, yes, I believe. Some people said, I'm not sure about some of that, but I can raise money. And they began 
jumping on these different causes. Some were running and biking. Some were sponsoring stuff. Just as some people said, my they is my kids that I've been ignoring. Some have been saying, some said, I've been a poor kid to my parents. Like they were just, it was like, and what was coming out was so beautiful. The stories every week that we're hearing of people just, the water that was being taken. Oh, it just chokes me up. To watch what it was doing in them. At least initially. I mean, as these people in these stories were told, man, we tell the stories. These people were like heroes, man. Like right up there with Gandhi and Mother Teresa, man. You'd see the volunteer of the week or the person that'd get up there. I don't know who this woman is. I just stock image. But (laughs) for example, and so we'd find these people, we'd be like, yes, you got it. Well done. And they'd be like, yeah. At least initially. But over time, we began to spot some troubling patterns within this group of people who had this strong they orientation. It was just so natural to them. Over time, we began to notice a tendency in many of them to extend themselves too much. It's like they wanted to give, they wanted to give and give. They'd say yes to one too many things. Sometimes they had difficulty saying no. They went from this and then to that and then to that. And then at some point you would notice or they would notice an area of their life that was being neglected. But then they were roped into all this stuff and so the conflicts began. Some of them didn't know what to do so they just kept trying to do it all which often led to incredible frustration, resentment, a little passive aggressive behavior toward these causes and these people that they're involved in. They're angry down deep. And yet they continued. Over time, you watch enough of this. I've told you my story. I was part of this group. You become aware that the motivations for doing all this good stuff is not just as altruistic as we believed it was. There were things some of us in this group went looking for to get from giving to get from loving. It's kind of like a give to get. There was expectations loaded into it. You get into the middle of it and then it didn't work out the way you saw it. It's like, or there was unhealthy drivers that were pushing us to say yes, combined with this inability to say no. Man, I'm telling you, when you struggle in this place, what it leads to is just these short-term assignments that leave with on a sour note. People going, I ain't doing that again. I'm out. These people trying to earn the love of others, approval of others, applause of others, whether it was family, friends, church leaders, even God. Last week, Vince talked about how religion has propelled these beliefs that you need to stop focusing on yourself and give yourself away sacrificially. 
And that will earn you the trophy. People feel bad about taking care of themselves, bad about saying no to things, because that would be wrong. Why would you say no? You're just being selfish. Things can drive wedges between people and who they are. You begin to adopt this kind of belief system that says what you want, what you need is unimportant. In fact, going even to the extreme of saying it's sinful, it pisses off the the more than out there. Man, it leads to some dark, dark spirituality. We began to realize that just as important as loving others, going back to Jesus' words, you need to love others just like you love yourself. There is this implied importance of taking care of who you are as an individual. Sadly, as as Vince talked about last week, this focus on our I, who I am, what I need, it's been villainized. And not just in church circles, but you can see it culturally. It's, and he mentioned this. The, the number of mothers today that struggle, that live in shame when they want to put their own needs ahead of sometimes others who, are, who have neglected themselves so badly because they feel guilty because taking care of themselves just doesn't feel right. It's wrong. For this group of people who were so other-focused, so they-focused, we realized that the spiritual challenge likely for them on their journey, one of the biggest challenges that this group of people would face is not to locate their they, not to learn how to give of themselves, to elevate the needs of others and serve them. That they would be able to do in spades. They don't need more encouragement to move toward their they. This group of people need to wake, needed to wake up to their I, which is very counterintuitive and something that often isn't spoken of in religious circles at all. Remember a woman, she, uh, she never asked for anything. She laid her life down for her partner and her kids, prided herself in being low maintenance. In fact, I remember hearing him always say, she's low maintenance, man. She's a cheap date. She doesn't care what we, she lets me watch whatever I want on TV. She cooks all the meals I like. But the truth is she did have needs. She did have preferences. If she could have chosen, she would have done much of their life different. But she didn't feel that she could open up. She didn't feel that she could assert her needs along with the needs of others and that there would be this tension between that. So over time, this resentment builds, right? Passive-aggressive behavior starts coming out, making life miserable not just for her, but for everyone around her. Because her life was just so not anything that she was. You know, when you focus on your I, as Vince talked about last week, you're asking, who am I as an individual? 
what, what would life look like if I could choose? What are the things I would do? Who, how do I even operate? You know, that's been the beautiful thing about all these personality profiles is people are filling out these things and real, recognizing things about themselves, distinctives, and they're going, oh my gosh, I didn't even, that's reading my mail. That's who I am. Oh, and that's how I'm different from them. I just always thought I was weird. That's a thing? Huh. The Enneagram has been a powerful tool for helping people wake up to their true identity. Realizing, wow, when I'm unhealthy, when I don't acknowledge who I am and I start seeking to get my needs met in all these unhealthy ways, that's when my life goes dark. That's what I've been doing. They begin to spot the patterns, which we've been talking about, this awareness piece. All of a sudden, it's like when I do life this way, just the way I'm wired, you're telling me that leads to the most beautiful, most healthy expression of who I am, the most whole me? It's the most amazing thing. When you learn to have a healthy understanding of who you really are, and you find a way of devising your life that takes, that honors that, in addition to all the other stuff, something drastically changes. But when you ignore your I, just like when you ignore your they, it can be, it can lead to an impotent spiritual life. I'll just warn you that right now. Stepping back, right? We're stepping back, looking at what the hell we're doing here. It's not just about the they. We're saying it's about the I too. And they work together. Make sense? Let me ask you something. How well do you understand you? Have you taken time to really look at who You've been, even from the time you were young, can you spot the patterns? Can you see the unique qualities and characteristics of you as opposed to, say, your siblings, people around you? Have you been able to name them and honor them and go, this is me? Have you been able to be honest about it? Have you been able to look at people around you and go, whoa, 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 no. Yes, you get your turn. Now my turn. How well do you speak up for yourself? How comfortable are you in drawing boundaries and saying no to even people you love in your life to protect who you are? Just how well do you take care of yourself and honor you? Now, for that first group of people I talked about, this Steve guy, he knew his eye. Oh, <laughs> he had no problem saying, hey, here's my agenda. Here's who I am. Here's what I am. No, you don't like it. Beat it. Hit the road. Da, 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 da. That group of people, they know their eye. But this other group of people, these they-oriented people, finding the eye was the biggest agenda on their spiritual journey. Okay. Let me just ask you this. If you're to look over your patterns of your life, can you see yourself leaning to one orientation or the other? Your eye or you're they? No judgment. Can you spot which one comes more naturally to you than the other? Which is most difficult? 
this is pretty damn important information because this will inform your spiritual journey. If you're strong on one side, the spiritual journey has a way of helping pull you into your weak areas. And it's not about changing who you are drastically. It's about softening those edges and waking you up to something that may be neglected in your life that brings out the fullest picture of who you are, gives meaning to this world. What's so exciting about the spiritual journey are these moments that we will experience when your I and your they all of a sudden get harmonized. When it's not one is being neglected continually to serve the other, but you begin to keep an eye on both. And you allow life to live in the tension, sometimes yielding to your they, sometimes and knowing when to yield to your I. Every day making choices that honors one or the other in any given moment and learning how to watch your dials and your gauges on your dashboard and going, whoa, 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 I think something's getting a little skewed here. When that begins to happen, what happens next is magical. This is what we call the magic of the we moments. When all of a sudden something begins to harmonize. It was interesting as Steve, this guy, came out Sundays. You could tell he was sitting at the back, arms crossed, really not sure he was digging it. But he said, as you talked about taking water, making a difference in the world, he said, I couldn't deny that something about that rang true. There was something about that that was so beautiful. I liked it ideologically. I just wasn't sure that I was up for it. And then one day, he said, what the hell, I'm doing this. And he signed up to go on one of our humanitarian house-building missions down in Mexico. He said, oh, what the heck. Give up a week, go down. That can't hurt me, it's Mexico. He was a pretty handy guy, big guy. When he got down there, and they built that home for that struggling family who never knew what it was like to have a locked door to their home. Never knew what it was like to have a secure place that wouldn't leak from the rain. And they turned over the keys to that family. It broke them. He woke up to his they. He, something ignited in, in, in this Steve when he came back. I barely could recognize him. He's like, we got to talk about next year's trip. I said, wait, what? He's like, we, we, we got to do more. He said, I, I've got contacts. We're going to raise some funds. This guy was a fundraising maniac. He found matching programs in various corporations. He, he was reaching all, out to all his networks, applying the screws to some of his vendors and clients he was working with. He paid for more kids to be able to go down to Mexico to build homes for these families. 
tens and tens of thousands of dollars. He began going on more. The amount of money he was donating personally to this thing. He woke up. It was just like, this is it. I can make a difference with the skills that I've got. It was like, he wasn't burning out. He wasn't cratering himself. He's like, I can make a difference and do what I do. And, and this, is, this is who I, he was like, oh, let's go. He went down to Guadalajara, like the number of different trips and projects that he was on, this guy. One day he rolls in a, in a church. Ah, he, he says, Jeff, come here, check this out. He pulls back his sleeve and there's a tattoo that says, take water. Ah, shit, that, that gets me. I just, I remember looking at him going, Buddy, tattoos, we weren't promoting tattoos. <laughs> He's like, this is going to serve as a re- daily reminder for me as to what my life's about. Just like, ah. What happened, Steve found his they, and it led to this wee moment where life just begins to make more sense. You take all you got, and then all of a sudden there's this part of you that begins to give beyond yourself to something bigger and wider. But they don't all look like that, right? Because those people that already have strong theys, it's, they know what that feels like. Their we moments look different when they're coming from that area toward their why. I read a story of a couple. It was written by the husband. They, as a couple, they were in trouble. They ended up going to a workshop where a guy basically talked about these principles I'm talking about right now. And it was particularly what challenged this couple was as he was talking about how important it is to understand who you are as individuals and honor them. So anyways, back to his story. They went out, they saw the workshop, they came back and he wrote to the workshop leader. He said, my wife and I, we've been on the edge of a divorce for quite some time now. When we went home after we heard your talk, we just sat down and started to tell each other the truth. At least what was true for each of us. And it wasn't like the past when we used to try to convince each other and to see our, things our way. It wasn't about one of us being right, pointing the finger at the other person saying you're wrong. It was just us sharing our perspectives, honestly. It was confessing exactly what we had been experiencing for a long time, each of us in our own world, right? Confessing the fact that we, we felt separate and distant from each other. Confessing the very secrets that were causing us to feel separate and isolated. We actually just sat there taking turns telling each other our honest feelings. It wasn't that we weren't trying to work coming to some kind of conclusion, we were simply, listen to this, coming out of hiding. We talked from 11 till 3 in the morning. Sorry, that last part you don't need. He said it was the most extraordinary evening of my entire life. Not just coming out of hiding with my partner, but with myself, coming out of hiding. That is such beautiful language for what it looks like when you move to your eye. You begin to wake up, not just to see it, but to honor it 
and you come out of hiding. You share honestly. All, and we watched this in spiritual journeys of people who have only believed what they were taught as a young kid. That's, their beliefs were what their parents' beliefs were or what their church's beliefs were. But something didn't work inside of them. And so they were, felt like they were living a lie. And then at some point, they wake up to what it is that they believe. And then comes that moment where they come out of hiding. They said, Mom, Dad, we need to have a chat. They come to their friends. They come to different ones and they say, I need to tell you who I am. This happens on so many different levels, coming out of hiding. And they experience that weed moan when all of a sudden they're going, this is me. And what happens on the other end is someone going, wow, I had no idea. Huh. Now, sometimes those, those coming out of hiding moments, they can be beautiful. Sometimes they can be difficult. Where the person on the other side doesn't understand or doesn't want to understand who that person is. Sometimes it leads to conflict, but I'm telling you, the fruit of coming out of hiding leads to this healthy place where all of a sudden people are going, this is me. And I can finally live my truth. I can finally face people with everything wide open. And I don't need, the, I don't need to be something else, to be approved, to be loved. I can just be me. And if they can't love me, ah, I'm sorry. I need to be me. We moment, oh, I'm betting there's some of you who have had such powerful we moments. Some that were incredibly conflict-laden. That despite this, it was just like it, 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 just a massive storm that blew up. And yet, you had this peace. You're like, I can't explain it. They're all pissed off, but I'm okay. Because I've been honest. We moments. We moments. People waking up to their they, people waking up to their I, and something beautiful happens because what, what, what ultimately happens is people then have the ability to continue in life. The they doesn't become a short-term resentful mission that they look back at and go, never again. No. It begins to line up with who they are and honor even their own journey. Oh, when I woke up to some of my eye moments over these last few years, I never knew for what freedom felt like. I realize now. Mind-blowing. When someone asks me what this spiritual journey really is all about, I, I want to put this up there. What it is that we're trying to lead people toward through all the stuff that we do here, all the stuff that we talk about, all the different opportunities, serving involvement, groups that we're doing. It's right here. This is the plot. It's you lining up your I with your they and building a life, a spiritual journey that is able to manage in the, con the tension of both. And you begin to experience we. We do it collectively. We do it individually. 
That's it. Well, I shouldn't say that that's it. There's one more part of the we that I don't have time to talk about today. I wanted to. As I got into this, I'm like, God, no. It ain't happening. So we're going to do it next week. Ten Commandments is getting moved one more week later. Too bad. Next week, I want to talk about the transcendent we. Because something tells me there's more to this world. And perhaps that's why you're here too. There's more than what you can see and taste and feel and touch. It's more than our human minds can necessarily wrap ourselves around. And probably below all this tangible, relational service work, there is a deeper energy that's been speaking to us. It's residing. We taste every now and then, or we feel, we sense. We're going to talk about that next week. I won't get into that message even though I wanted to. I don't know where your I or your they is. But I hope even after today, you kind of got some suspicions. And my prayer for you is that you don't lose the plot. That this week, you'll be laser focused on those moments that come when your I moment comes and you respond to it, or your they moment and you lock in, there's no life like keeping these things alive and at the forefront of all that you're doing. It will change your life. All right. That's my hope for you. It's my prayer for you. There is no life like seeing below the surface of the daily activity seeing these things come alive. Okay, so look at, we're doing the welcome to friends orientation right here in a few minutes. For those of you that are new, whatever, you want to join us, we'll be there. For the rest of you, why don't you have a phenomenal week? Man, we got this weather. We got, we got things that we can just celebrate about, hey? We got a few things that we don't want to celebrate about, but we got a few things that we can. I hope maybe you'll choose a few things to focus on today. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week. <laughs>